There we go. Facts about the tempter. Note, I would suggest that Satan was the first angel to fall because of his desires. And he had desires. He, he uh, you know, to me, studying the Word of God, the angels in heaven know the difference between right and wrong. They, they have to know the difference between right and wrong. And, 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 and so, because Satan wouldn't have been able to, to just belly off and rebel. Uh, uh, and I believe that God allowed that for a reason. Uh, Satan couldn't handle knowing good and evil. Therefore, he chose evil. I would suggest if we don't have God in our lives, God, walking with God, that we'll choose evil most of the time. If we have God in our life, there's the game changer that causes us not to choose evil that says, hey, we've got to focus on good. All right, so three things about the ability of Satan. He is omnipresent. He isn't omnipresent. He isn't omnipotent, and he isn't omniscient. So in other words, he can't be everywhere at once. Don't give credit to Satan. He don't have to be. You say, well, then how can he tempt? We're tempted by our own sinful nature. It's because we're born into sin. You see what I'm saying? We're tempted, and we'll see that here in a moment in the Word. We're tempted, and so he don't have to be everywhere at once, and he can't be everywhere at once because he's not God. All right? He isn't omnipotent. His power is limited. He has to have God's permission, so to say, to do certain things. And, and this is what came to me a while ago. He isn't omnipotent, all-knowing. He doesn't know everything about you. He doesn't know, oh, he knows my weakness and all that. No, he doesn't know your weakness. Your weakness is revealed in your sinful nature, and your sinful nature cries out, cries out. All right, and so here we go. So what God stated about his creation, this is important. How many knows that God loved his creation? He said it was very good. Oh, he just loved it. How many knows that God still loves his creation? Especially you, because see, you're a new creation. His plan has come in full, full, full force. Watch this. Remember, God stated about creation. Genesis 1, so God created man's own image. In the image of God, he created him, male, female, and he created them. Genesis 1:31. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. This hung me up right here. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it just came to me sitting here, and as simple as ABC, and you probably figured it out a long time before me, and if you did, hats off to you. Where I struggled reading the scripture, and what I struggled with a comment that I heard was, how can everything be good? How can everything not know good and evil? See, they didn't know good and evil until after the fall. So I struggled with that. How could they be, how could they be uh, uh, accused? How could they be tempted? How could they be... Uh, uh, you know, uh, lied to? How could they be deceived? And it just came sitting, I was sitting there on that chair and it came to me because God allowed it. Job, remember? Satan had to go and that just came sitting there because they didn't have a sinful nature. They didn't know the difference between right and wrong. If you don't know the difference between right and wrong, how in the world could you, could you do right or wrong because you don't even know the very definition of it? And so God somehow in His plan, it all works together. If you know the Bible from the beginning to the end, that plan just, I mean, it just explodes in front of us. God knew, but God allowed Him. He had to have God's permission to launch an attack on Adam and Eve. And so that's for me, and if you disagree, then do what I did. I've been studying for quite a while here and, and, and showing, but that's the only way because they didn't have a sinful nature. Because God says in Genesis 3, 5, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Good and evil. And so God just simply allowed it. Why? Because there's a plan. 
And this plan really is, I believe, against Satan. I believe this enmity between his seed and her seed. I believe this is, is a God, God's plan, and I don't want to get too deep because then we'll go far. But I believe that that's God's plan to, 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 to uh, exercise for humanity. So, so this is what we know about creation. What we know about creation. So, when did temptation start for the human race? My biblical belief in studying the Word of God, temptation was birthed into the human race the moment Adam and Eve ate in the garden and then followed that with God saying, now they know good and evil. Now, temptation has its full force. You don't have to have Satan everywhere. We inherit a sinful nature. You'll see that here in a moment. One may ask the question, did Satan tempt them in the garden? Well, I would say now, my notes might be to be clear, I think it was a part of it. I think it was deception at best, and, and, and I think Pastor's going to get on that next week, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm excited about that message about, about uh, the deception because he shared a few things with me, and my lights came on and just blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it's important for us to understand what sinful nature is. We need to understand this. So sinful nature, watch this. Come on. Come on. All right, sinful nature. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sin. For because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 12. So, sinful nature, we all have it. We all have a sinful nature. That sinful nature doesn't go away after you get saved. That's the bore. That's the crust of the thing. That's what battles against one another. To do good or to do wrong, it battles. It fights against one another. So temptation comes. Now, you've got to hear me out here. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. That's the sinful nature, our own desires. We love to blame everything on the devil, and that's not, that, that's not correct. It's not the devil's fault. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us to drag us away. He had the initial thing when we, we see the garden and we see that he is going to be punished, but we inherited that sinful nature and it's our own sinful nature that, 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 that grabs us, that drags us away, if you will. And, and that's found in James 1.14. 1.14. How many has ever been dragged away? Uh, how many has ever followed your own temptation? Yeah, it's easy to say, it's easy to say, you know, the devil made me do it. And I, and I shared this in the first uh, group. So I'll give my age a little bit. Yeah, how many remembers Flip Wilson's favorite line? Yeah, Flip Wilson's favorite line. I mean, he was a comedian. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. The devil doesn't make you do things. Temptation comes for our own desires which entice and drag us away. Now, he may daggle something out there. He may have something that he could throw out there in front of you. And, and, and I would say just because of the sinful nature that's in the world... All of the world right now that's not saved, whether it be Hollywood, whether it be the news channel you're watching, that's the tools that Satan is daggling in front of everybody to cause them to be tempted, to be tempted. I can put it very simple to you as far as temptation. Temptation is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. I mean, how many, uh, how many diabetics do we have here? Amen. Yeah, yeah, I know we have a few because I talk to you. I'm a diabetic. And I can tell you that sugar is very tempting. It's very tempting, like a cake, like a pecan pie right now, like with some Cool Whip on top of it. Like, like my, my, my wife's peach cobbler that she made this, weekend, uh, this week twice with vanilla ice cream over it. She is tempting me to eat that. And she, don't even, she just has to cook it. She really don't even have to do anything. And, and, I mean, I'm, in, and, and, and I can't, I'm not strong enough, not strong enough to say no 
until my feet start hurting and I start feeling bad. Then, all of a sudden, I want to say, you know, I've got to get on the good train. I need to start working out. I need to watch what I eat. That lasts until she makes another peach cobbler. And I say, so, so you see what I'm saying? Temptation, and that's a little humor, but temptation is out there every day, and you will always, always deal with temptation. You will always deal with accusations. You will always deal with, with lies. You will always deal with the deceiver. That's not going to stop until Christ calls us home. Amen? So the church is not about that you're under some umbrella of protection. Once you come to Christ and everything's rosy and you'll never have any battles, I suggest to you that there could be some battles. And I would even suggest to you after sitting there thinking that there could be times in your life to where that, that, that Satan sees, for some reason, he sees growth in the church. He sees something. I don't know how, but something's happening. Like, it bothers the enemy when he loses, you know. It bothers the enemy when Christ defeated him at cross. And I'm saying that there are special attacks that Satan can launch on you. Can launch on you. But I want to tell you, God loves you so much that I believe he launches him and his demonic uh, forces. If they launch an attack on you, I believe this. There are certain occasions, we do have a sinful nature, but there are certain occasions that he'd have to go to God and ask. Isn't that neat? He would have to go to God and ask. He had to do it for Job. Had to do with Job. The only way I can make sense of Genesis is he had to go to God and ask there. So think about it. Sinful nature causes us to sin. Temptation is an invitation to sin, if you follow through. It's an invitation to sin. And, 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 and we don't want to go that route. We don't want to be, we don't want to, we don't want to follow after that. So you think about it. So here we go. We will struggle with temptation. I'm going to read a portion of scripture that Paul writes in Romans. Just to, and all that I put this in here for was to show you the battle that even the Apostle Paul uh, uh, faces. He wrote 12 books of our, uh, our New Testament uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I believe 13. I believe he wrote Hebrews. Can't prove that, but I believe he does. But anyway, here he is. For we know that the law is spiritual, uh, but I am of the flesh sowed under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwelleth with me, within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do what is what I keep on doing. Uh, go back and look at that again. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do wants what I keep on doing. Don't have the ability to do what I want. In your flesh, you do not have the ability to be an overcomer. In your flesh, in your flesh, you have no ability to be an overcomer. No, I mean, some of you may have, like, you know, bad habits or whatever. And, I mean, you know, I'm here to tell you whatever it could be. It could be a lot of things, like lying or, 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 or you know, uh, loving money or whatever it is or, or smoking. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people just try to quit smoking in their, in their flesh, and they can't do it. And then they go to God, and, 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 and God starts feeling that craving. I'm not picking on sin. I'm not picking on smoking or anything else. I'm just trying to show you a picture. So, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want... It's what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwelleth with me. Say that three times real fast and you'll, you'll be really good. All right. So, so I find to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. 
I mean, I go back in my mind when I see evil lies close at, at hand. I think about Abel Cain's, Abel Cain's sin is crouching at the door. You know, I just think about that. My mind just sees that. And I, and I can see this because I've lived this. I see this because I'm living this. You see this because you're leave, you, you live this. How many, I mean, we all, you come to church and you feel, I mean, hyped up, puffed up. You're ready to go. I mean, you're ready to face and, and, and boom, it hits you afterwards. And the very thing you want to do, the very thing you want to succeed in doing, you find yourself failing, and then the accusations come, then the lies come, then, then the tempter comes and tempts you even with more garbage. And, and so you see that. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law warring against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wow. Well, get that just in you. I mean, we've got this battle going on in our mind, and, and, and you know... I, I, you know, it's there. It's there. You know what it is. I mean, come on. I, I use the, anal- the analogy that, and, it, and it's hard, but I use the analogy of, of, of like the remote control. If you had the remote control and you're watching TV and we're all guilty of this and, and you're flipping through the channels and maybe, you know, this, you see a scene that shouldn't be on there and you're like, no, I can't do that. I didn't watch that. And you change it and then you find yourself going back to that channel. How many has been there? Ah. Uh, uh. Ah! Or how many's had a, somebody call you and you know when you get on the phone with that person, that person talks forever. Does anybody in here have any of those people? They talk forever and you're like, your wife answers the phone or your kids and you're like, no, I'm not here, I'm not here. Temptation. It's there, and it don't become sin until you do it. And brothers and sisters, when you're doing this, that is sin. You are there. That's how serious sin is. And I'm going to hopefully point out some things in this because that may be simple, but this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying our members of our body and our mind, they war against everybody. It's just a war. How How many's in this war with me? We're all in it. We're all in the war. Can't get away from it, can't escape it. That's what's going to make heaven beautiful. That's what's going to make heaven home one day. Because in heaven there's no more sin. There's no more sorrow. Can you give the Lord? Give the Lord a hand of praise. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, a law raging the war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man. That I am. I mean, if you just read this, you're like, man, there's just no hope, boy. I mean, the Apostle Paul, if you read this, it's, it's kind of like a little discouraging, you know, like, man, if the Apostle Paul can't overcome this stuff, I mean, how can I overcome this stuff? And he says, wretched man, I'm who? There's the question that he need to ask. And the question that we need to ask. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Come on, who is it? Say it again. Who is it? Yes, yes. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And so he paints a very good illustration here in in my opinion. So we get to overcoming temptation. How many wants to be an overcomer? Amen. How many knows that the Word of God says that we are overcomers? Amen. What did they overcome with? I believe it's in Revelation. I don't know what chapter and what verse is, but they overcome by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Woo! Woo, they were overcomers. Hebrews 4.14. And I like this because, you know, we don't serve a God 
who uh, uh, cannot understand us. It's just like God and He's here and I don't understand why y'all are sinning. And you know, I don't understand this. God knows all, first of all. He knows everything. But God did something even greater than that. He gave His only begotten Son to come and die on the cross for us at Calvary. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? And I still struggle. You still struggle. But He came. And, so, and when He came, He represented, and this might be what you was thinking about, Pastor, I'm not for sure, with, with the deity and humanity. And deity and humanity is a hard thing because I do not believe for one iota, that Jesus overcame the temptations that we're going to look at by deity. Not by deity in sense, His deity as the Son of God. I believe He overcame, uh, you know, the temptation was strictly towards humanity because you see Satan had caused humanity to fall. He had caused humanity to fall and, and, and he had permission. And I think God came on the scene here with his son and he goes all the way back to Genesis when I'll put an enmity between her seed and your seed. I think the battle's won on the cross. I think when Jesus said it was finished, I believe it was finished. Do you understand what I'm saying? I believe when he says it's finished, it's finished. I believe Satan was defeated. Now there's one other final battle, but I'm here to tell you at Calvary there's victory. At Calvary there's overcoming. At Calvary all things come to an end. It is finished. And if it's finished, it's finished, right? And so, Hebrews 4.14, because he went to Calvary, but, but first of all, because he came in the form of man, he represented humanity, humanity, which is us. And humanity, remember, humanity had taken on the sinful nature because of the fall through one man's sin and through one man's obedience we're going to get. But listen to this, Hebrews 4.14. Since then, we have a great high priest. How many has a high priest? Come on, you know who I'm talking about? Most of us, if I said Jesus, you might want to say it, but you have a great high priest. A great high priest, listen to this, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What's our confession? That, hey, that we're a child of God, that we've asked him into our life, that we've been born again. That's our confession. Now listen to this. For we do not have a high priest, I love this, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Now let's get one thing straight right now. Everybody sitting here, everybody, me, everybody. We all deserve death. Right? We deserve death. Because Jesus came. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he would send his only begotten son. And then whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Because he sent him in the form of a human flesh, he was tempted. I want you to understand that he was tempted, that humanity side was. And we're going to see that in a minute. But look at this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Who has to hold it? Who has to hold the confession? Say it loud. Oh, say it one more time. There we go. I see, I believe in personal responsibility. I don't believe in this garbage that, that people say, well, the devil made me do it, or it's the devil's fault. No, it's not the devil's fault. It's when you was entasked by your own sin inside you, and you was dragged to the point to where you sin. We have to get personal responsibility back in the church, right? We can't just say, the devil made me do it when everything bad goes. And, and, and you know, and it's okay to give God the glory and the honor when everything good goes, but when everything good goes, it's because you have understood the Word of God and you've obeyed the Word of God and that obedience. See, there, every, every promise in the Bible, there's a condition, and it's that obedience that causes you to experience the blessings of God. Right? Experience the blessings of God. So, 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So in every respect, I mean, I don't, I don't, I just, when you think about sin, whether you're lying, telling no, I'm not home, tell them I'm not home. Because there's something that bursts that. Right? Right? It's kind of getting quiet in here. Little white lies you tell? I'll tell you what God calls it. Sin. S-I-N. You can tiptoe around it. We can put little things on it. A uh, pastor led me on to a book, and, 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 and part of that it was saying, it was saying that we put a title on sin now, and it's not sin. Right? It's this addiction, or that addiction, or because my mama did this, or my daddy did this, we, we, we try to categorize it and give it an easy way out. Sin. Sin. And Jesus, listen to what it says but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And he didn't use deity to do that in the sense of, I'm God. He uses the Word. The Word. The Word. We're going to get to that. Let us stand with confidence. How many has confidence right now? How many had confidence at the beginning of the service? I would have believed you a lot more the way you were singing in the beginning of the service than I believe right now. You start talking about sin, it gets quiet in the house, right? I mean, listen, I, the Bible says this. This is God's Word. This is not Paul. We need to know the Word of God. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. How many is thankful for the grace of God? Amen. Is there more sin in this world than there is grace? No. If you know your Bibles, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Amen. So look at this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace, grace to help in time of need. That grace and that help that you will have will be found in the Word of God. Through prayer. Through gathering together it could come. So let's go on. The tempter. That's what he's called in Matthew. The tempter. In Genesis, he's called the deceiver. The deceiver. I was trying to argue a point with Pastor through via text until he called me and straightened me out. He never was tempted in Genesis. And I said, now the word might not have been used, Pastor. He was, he was a deceiver. And I'm like, okay, all right, he's right. All right, so Matthew 4.3. The tempter came and said to him, if you are, there's that if word, if you are a Christian, if you really are a believer, Right? Right? If you really do love God, right? Here we go. Uh, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So remember, he's fasted for 40 days. And I said, first service, I'll say this, I've never fasted for 40 days. If there's anybody in here that has, I'm talking fasted from food for 40 days. I bet that you came out of there really in tune with God. Really in tune with God. I fasted for several days, but not 40 days. And, and, and I bet, you know, because then I can tell you after a long fast, if, 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 if you was led into that fast by the Spirit of God and you prayed, you come out of that close to God, close to God. So, he was fasted. And it's interesting to me that first temptation's bread, bread. You know, you're hungry. Just, I don't know the way, I just threw this out there. It's the way my, my mind thinks the first temptation in the garden had to deal with food, 
had to deal with food. Don't know if there's anything there, just it was kind of interesting. He says this right here. But he answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. How do you overcome the temptation? By the words that have came out of the mouth of God that mankind had received. And so that's what he says. He's using scripture here. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple. Something that God, that the devil wanted. The devil wanted to have power. He has his throne. He wanted to be victorious. He's, he's won. He's lost. I'm telling you, he's lost. He wanted to be victorious. And the devil took him uh, to a holy city, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple, and, and uh, said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. It is written, He commanded the angels concerning you. And on the hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And so he continues there. There's a second temptation. He's misquoting Scripture, not doing it in its full, it, it, having the heart of Scripture there. And so we go on to the next. Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not, not put the Lord your God to test. I don't know if you can put God to test, if I understand our, certain other Scriptures. But because it says we can't, God's a, you know, God can't be tempted. So there's where I struggle with. I don't know. But it says right here you can't put to God test. I think it might have been the test of humanity for some reason. I don't know. But anyway, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these will I give you if you fall down and worship me. There's a lie. There is. He's tempting him with things. And he's tempting him with things that he don't even have the authority to tempt him with. He can't give him all this. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now we're going to get somewhere here in a minute uh, that will help us out. Do you serve? What did he use? He didn't say, I'm the Son of God. I'm the Son of God, and I'm not. No! He used the very Word of God, and he did something that we all need to learn to do, and it's probably resist, Right? Resist. How many loves resisting when something you know that you're told you can't have? How many loves to say, okay, I don't want it? Right? How many has sat here has gotten yourself into a financial jam because you wanted something? You didn't have the ability to pay for it. You can't afford it. I've been there. You can't afford it, but you wanted it. And you just started juggling things around. And you kept on and on and on until you purchased it. And then after you purchased it, about like three or four months of payment, you're like, why did I ever do that? Because you didn't resist. You didn't resist. There's a lot of personal accountability when we deal with the tempter. Because he's there. He's going to tempt us. He's going, there's going to be temptations out there, and, and, and we got we to gotta keep this in check. And so we see this. Jesus said to him, again, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory. Sounds good. That's what the American dream is, right? And he said unto him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone. Be gone, Satan. How many? Say that with me. Be gone, Satan. Say it with me. One more time. Be gone, Satan. Oh, y'all got to do better one more time. Everybody together. One, two, three. There we go. There we go. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now watch what happens when he resists. I missed this the first service. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. I want to challenge you this week. The weaknesses that you have, I'm talking to myself, Temptation, whatever form it comes in, practice resisting. If you resist, if you resist, this will happen. The angels came 
and we're ministering to Him. How many wants the angels to come and minister to you? They, they, they will come and they will minister to you if you resist, if you resist, if you say no. <clears throat> Get behind me, Satan. It's written. It is written. It is written. In order to do that, you're going to have to know your word. How many Christians sit, sit in the pews across this world and they don't know the word of God at all? How can you resist? How can you use the Word of God if you don't even get into it? You see all of this personal responsibility when the tempter comes. We have weapons. We have weapons. And they're mighty. They're mighty. That's what the Bible says. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I have experienced this and I hope you have. I have. I'm not saying I've done it my whole life. I'm not saying that I'll... That, I might, that this week I may not fall. I don't know. He who stands, you know, beware unless you fall. I don't want to have pride. But I will say this much. There have been times in my life that I've resisted and the peace of God has come in. It was hard resisting. I mean, I had looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. It's just like I was telling you, that remote control, you know, you, boom, you put it on there and there's something you shouldn't be watching. Boom, you cook up channels and you find yourself clicking back to that channel. See, you're not resisting but if you hold on, I find this to be true. If I'm thinking bad thoughts about the pastor, I find this to be true. I find if I'll get in the Word and I pray, I find that those bad thoughts will leave me. Because he's edgy. He takes me from this point to this point at times in my life and he don't even know it. But you know what? It's been good for me. I've grown more, more under the setting of this ministry than I grew the last 35 years. And that is a true statement, not because he's sitting there. I'm telling you, he challenged me. Do I agree with everything? No, but I'm telling you, he challenged me just as Pastor Darrell challenged me. And I went to the Word, and I've been camped out studying this since Pastor Darrell's sermon. And thank you, Pastor Darrell, for listening to the Lord. Amen. So, the devil left him. Behold, angels came and were ministering to him. To him. All right. I have two closing comments, so don't get excited. This is just one slide. Amen. So this is just kind to help us out a little bit. I believe Satan was trying to tempt the humanity side of Jesus with the things that Satan desired that caused his fall. It is important to note, these were outward temptations. These were Satan's desires, not Jesus' desires. In other words, we are tempted with outward things, outward things. The eye sees, the eye wants, just like the, in the garden, you know what I'm saying? The eye sees. We're tempted with outward things. So we look at it, we want it. They were tempted. It hadn't got in here yet. The problem is when we are tempted, and if we look at it long enough, and then if we pursue that temptation, it gets in here. And then when it gets in here, it causes problems, right? I mean, a whole host of problems for us. I mean, you know, you take for instance forgiveness. You know, I mean, we know what the Bible says about I mean, how many knows that Jesus says you're forgiven? Come on, how many? How many knows? How many freely forgives everyone? See what I'm saying? It, it, the temptations are out there, and they're outward temptations, but when we let that outward temptation and we pursue it, it comes inwardly. And then when it comes inwardly, we've got to get whipped by God. we got to get, I mean, all kinds of things happen. And a lot of times, we continue to rebel, and we get to the point where there's no hope, there's no use. We give up, and we say, you know, why did God put me in this situation? We start blaming God. You know, I'm a Christian now, and all these bad things are happening to me. Why are these things? See how we do that? Temptation. Those were Satan's temptations, not Jesus's. He was tempting Jesus, I believe, with what he really desired. 
for his own self. His own self. And so he's tempting Jesus with outward temptations. Jesus used the word to overcome temptation. If you want to be more than an overcomer tonight, today, if you want to be more than an overcomer, if you want to finally get victory over sin, get victory over temptation, get victory over the accusations, get victory over all the lies that the enemy's feeding you, I'm here to tell you, know the Word of God and use the Word of God. Use the Word of God. Jesus used the Word to overcome the temptations. And I will tell you this much too, that, that, that I don't know the humanity side of Jesus. I don't know. I can't tell you this. I don't know if anyone... I, these are three temptations that are recorded. Was he tempted any more during his walk to humanity side? I'm sure he was. The humanity side. And I'm saying tempted by the fact that, you know, uh, you know the bonehead disciples that he were given that wouldn't listen and he had to jump on them, you know, and stuff. But, you know, and even in the garden when he was praying, he said, if this cup, I don't know how you want to define temptation, but I want to tell you, this is what I do know about Jesus. He overcame temptation. He never failed a temptation. He was perfect. Amen? Therefore, he's my high priest. None of us will ever be able to make that claim that we were perfect. Never, none of us will ever make the claim that we've overcome every temptation. But there's one claim that I can make boldly and proudly. That Jesus is more than an overcomer. He overcame it all. He was perfect. He knew no sin because he didn't do no sin in on the humanity side. So, I worship that Lord. So, we know that. Now, simple. James 4, 7 states it. I said it earlier. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit. That's the problem that we have right there, submission. We, don't, we hate submission, don't we? Amen. Come on, say amen. You hate submission. You hate submission. You hate submission of the government. You hate submission of your wife. You hate submission of your husband. You hate submission. We don't like the word. We think it's a sign of weakness. I want to tell you it's a sign of strength. I want to tell you when we can learn to submit to God and His Scriptures, it's a sign of strength for us. It's victory for us. It's victory for us. And he says it right here. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Will run from you. I've experienced this. I know this to be true. To be very true. Maybe go back to the TV or the phone, whatever. And maybe, you know, the, you, know you say, hey, this is going to be my quiet time with the Lord. And then all of a sudden you're being tempted with that phone. That's your own desire. You're wanting to look at that phone. It's your own desire to watch your TV program at that point in time that you designated for, for scriptures and for praying. You desire to look at your phone and you desire to watch TV more than you love to read or pray. That hurts. That's responsible. That, that's how it is. That's how it is. See, we've got to get this in our hearts. I believe Christians should be some of the most disciplined people there are. There are. So final comments for the second time. Now, those were closing comments. These are final comments. <laughs> Genesis 1.31. So God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. I wrote another little point here. Humanity will battle the tempter until Christ ends because of knowing good and evil. See, we can't handle knowing good and evil only God can. Only God can. And I would probably submit to you that two-thirds of the angels can, or however many fell. I don't know if it's a third or what, but there's angels in heaven that just love God for who He is. 
Matthew 3.17, Behold a voice from heaven, this is key to understanding where I'm trying to go, said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Go back. Now he's representing the throne room of heaven most assuredly, but he's representing humanity. Go back to Genesis. This is my creation. And what did he say? It's very good. It's very good. What's he saying about his son? This. This is an audible voice. I think two times, maybe three, but two times I know for sure where God speaks from the heavens during Jesus' ministry here on earth. He said it right here. He said it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Is there another one? I think this might be the only two times. In the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, they were up there and they wanted to build the three temples just like man. Hey, we'll build one for Elijah and Moses. You know, people wanting to put temples in their names. You see it all over here. People's ministries, their ministries. It's God's ministry. And, and, and you know, and it's just funny how God worked. God just, you know, he, they, you know, he gets up and he says, this, as we don't need a temple for Elijah. Elijah was a good guy. Moses was a good guy. These were my, these were men of God. But this is my beloved son. They fell to the feet and said, after he got finished speaking, they looked up and they saw no one but Jesus. Well, there's a, there's a message there. No one but Jesus. So, behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Christ, one, beat the tempter, not in deity like I'm the son of God, but by prayer, and by the word of God is how he defeated the tempter. I have news for you. And he won. He never sinned. We can't say that and never will we be able to say that. He won. He won by strictly using prayer and the word and relying upon the spirit of God to minister to him. Friends, it hasn't changed. You, me, us, we can overcome temptation. We can overcome the tempter by using the Word of God, by praying, and by relying upon the Spirit. Can you say amen? You see, it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. Yes, he's the accuser. Yes, he's the liar. Yes, he's the tempter. Yes, he's the deceiver. But he has been defeated. Can you say amen? amen. So now in the New Testament, in closing, what does God say about us? Brother Mike, he says, you know what? We're a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are called the children of God. Woo! Can you say amen? You see, everything's restored good now, right back to where it should be, because of why? Jesus and the cross. Jesus and the cross. That's how we're restored. That's when Jesus looks at me. I'm telling you, he sees that he fixed me. He sees at the cross. And somehow when you put it all together in the God form, when God the Father looks at us, he sees nothing but the blood of Jesus. He sees that, hey, that's brand new. Hey, that's a child of the King. Hey, he, they're joint heirs with Jesus. Oh, I'm here to tell you we become children of God. How many's proud today that you are known as children of God? Can you say amen? Amen.